Welcome to the Brown County Hour. Coming to you from the legendary hills of Brown, where the plum purple haze, the one nature herself drapes over the hills and hollers, inspires local characters, artists, and nature lovers. It's as though the hills themselves conspire to create a beauty and culture in the heart of Indiana. Sit for a spell and hear the music. Tall tales. True stories. And current goings on. Brought to you by folks who still know how to sit by a fire in winter. And swim buck naked in summer. Welcome to episode 52 of the Brown County Hour. This is Carrie Ray. And Dave Seastrom, along with the rest of the crew. This month is the sixth anniversary of our first show, which aired July 24, 2010. In celebration, we prepared a collection of spoken word pieces and musical selections from the last six years that represent a smattering of what we do and where we came from. It all begins at the beginning and we'll share an insightful interview with our first director, Chad Carruthers, who, along with Pam Rader, were the founding parents of the Brown County Hour. We're doing something different this month. We'll present the spoken word pieces in chronological order, mixed with musical selections that encompass the six years we've been on the air. These choices in no way represent the best of the best. They're a sample, a slice of what we do that we believe shares our evolution. For our sixth anniversary episode, we are pleased to have, I suppose we could call him the godfather of the Brown County Hour. That's right, Jeff. Yeah, Chad Ooh. Carruthers, who back in uh, 2010 uh, was the, uh, what, news director and uh, later GM of WFHB. Were it not for him and Pam Rader, the Brown County Hour would not have come into existence. If so it had only been for me, nothing would have happened. <laughs> <laughs> we owe credit to Chad. Yeah. Well, if you, if you don't like what you hear, you can blame me. If you like what you hear, credit Pam and <laughs> Jeff and the rest of the folks here. Well, welcome, Chad. It's great to have you Thank here, you. brother. It's great to be here. This is a beautiful studio. It's a, I wish this was a TV show right now so we <laughs> could show people just how far we've come in developing this little satellite studio. Well, we do have a few pictures up on our webpage and on our Facebook page. Yeah, and the, the little studio we started out with here at the, the History Center, a little more than a, than a storage closet, really. A card table. And a card table <laughs> and, uh, and no acoustic treatment whatsoever. Pine panel, though. Yeah. It, it was, was It was yeah. cutesy. It was <laughs> nice, yeah, yeah. Six years ago, you guys are celebrating a big anniversary. July, July is six yeah. years. Yeah. I'm, Thank you for inviting me to be a part of it. And, uh, it's one of the things I'm most proud of in my in my life. Thank Aww. you, Chad. <laughs> well, how about sharing some of the origin stories? Yeah, well, the the story of the Brown County Hour really goes back to the story of WFHB in Brown County. Brown County's always been so great to WFHB. I mean, there I don't know if it's the Saturday Roots music or if it's the sort of the DIY ethic. And there's some characters too. We love storytelling. Home of the Liars Bench right. here in Nashville. So I knew from taking calls during pledge drives back when I was a, a volunteer, the news director. We had a strong presence in Brown County. There are a lot of people out here with a lot of love for WFHB. Someone noticed that we had an application 
with the FCC and for some what are called translators, which take WFHB's main signal and, and throw it out you know, farther into a, another community. We were going to lose that window. That application was going to expire. And so we had to take action quickly if we were going to take advantage of this, this rare gift from the broadcasting gods, a translator, <laughs> which are limited to 250 watts. But if you, you know, put it up on Lanham Ridge Road, you know, that'll, yeah. that'll have some good throw to it. So I went to Pam Rader and a lot of people said, it's too late, can't do it, just going to have to let this one go. And Pam said, yes, we can. We're going to do it. And she did everything from mason jobs. And the, and the local businesses to a, a sit down with the, the Sultan of Nashville, Mr. Andy Rogers, helping us raise some money, a whole bunch of money in just a couple months, thousands, tens of thousands of dollars. Um, the Brown County Community Foundation stepped forward. And just like many things in Brown County, everyone lent a hand, stood up. We were able but to, to raise it that It was tower. because I had to have a hook. And the hook was that we would have a show. Oh, yeah. Pam was pushing this from day one. <laughs> Before the tower was even up, she was talking about, how are we going to get our radio show? I said, Pam, the tower comes first, okay? <laughs> the show will come later. And so there, there, there was about three years difference between uh, mm -hmm. from the time that the tower went up to the time that the, the show came out. And in that time, I started making trips over here to Brown County. We started doing meetings, and Jeff Foster was there, and Rick Fettig was there, and Vera was there. And we did it just like we've done everything at WFHB. We built a, a little community. We set up a new table, and we said, if you want to have a seat at this table, you're welcome here. Everyone's welcome here. Um, it's it's really, you know, this is a really magical place, and, and this is a, a really magical show and you all should be really proud of what and you were a wonderful person to come over and spend all that time because none of us had any idea what we were getting into yeah well that's always been one of my favorite things to do is to turn people on and and mm -hmm. and show people a way to connect you see that light bulb go off over their head when they figure it out go this is magical. This is powerful. And when I think of the early days of the Brown County Hour, I think of, well, I think uh, I think Hank Swain a lot mm -hmm. because yes. that yeah. that was so intertwined for me. The Hank Swain and his storytelling. I my, my first news coverage in Brown County is I would come over here for the Tall Tale Tell Off. Mm -hmm. I'd record oh. those stories, mm -hmm. and eventually that developed into a show called The Porch Swing. And this is also in 2010, 2011, which is a great golden age in the news department at WFHB. They're doing great work now. Mm -hmm. But certainly between you know, 2008 to 2011, we had this just explosion of creativity in the WFHB news department where we just took it to a new level and we were energized by all these awards that we were winning. And I think of uh, Kaylee Witt yes. with the, um, the, nature. Na the nature. And I, I love how the, the show did such a great job of embracing all of the elements of sound because so much of what we did in the news department was just voice mm -hmm. and, and, and music. And then you're layering in ambient sound, environmental sound, the Liar's Bench, the Tall Tale Tell-Off. Um, I think a lot about Jeff Quick. Um, yes. Who was our, our original technical producer for this show, and he, he died while he was producing our, our, um, our fifth episode, the Earth Day episode. I think about Pete Siebert. <laughs> and his anecdotes from the historic and Julia, Julia Pearson, yes, uh, Steve Miller talking about yes. his heritage and Brown County. So, so many colorful characters that sort of came to life through this program. 
there have been so many more that you've introduced now mm-hmm. in the years since. And it's just really continued to grow and evolve. And it's, it's magical. It really is. So it was about a year of planning, as I recall. We had about a year from, uh, what, 2009. Mm-hmm. And we had meetings sporadically. Mm-hmm. And then finally, we just got to a point where it was, well, we just need to commit and to do, it. do it. So we just got to do it. We've talked it mm-hmm. through and... We figured out, well, mm-hmm. you'd be the talent coordinator and I'd be mm-hmm. tweaking the knobs and we'd just, let's just go for it. How, how many people would show up to some of these meetings? In oh, the beginning, Lord. we had like 20. Yeah. The oh, first meeting difficult had. difficult to manage, too. Yeah. It was, almost, it was almost too democratic. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, we, we nipped that in the bud real quick. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's, you, you've got to have a balance of, of, of structure and also flexibility and creativity. Mm-hmm. You've got to let people do what they're best at. I think that if I ever leave, that I'll I'll come back, and when I come back, I think it'll be here. I think this is will probably be the last place that I live. Well, Maybe thanks for the warning. We, we <laughs> <should>. <laughs> well, so start finding me a burial plot. Yeah, no, 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 we'll have a slot open for you on the show. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Always a seat open at the table. That's right. Yeah. And as you see, we now have a rather large table. So it is. This is a quite impressive studio. It's oh my goodness, it's come so far since those early days. And we yes. we thank you so much to the folks at the Brown County Historical Society for all their support. Oh, oh yes. yeah, oh, yeah, you years know. of support. Yes, uh, and we have evolved. And I think you know, as I go back and listen to the old shows, I you know, the germ for almost everything we do now comes from those times. It's like a springboard. Yeah, from the very yeah. beginning, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's and it's been an interesting evolution. I mean, I was here when we went from bi-monthly to monthly. Mhm. Bi-monthly, it would take all of the 8 weeks to produce 1 hour of radio. Right. And all of a sudden, we're producing an hour of radio in 4 weeks. And actually, more like three weeks with uh, one night to, to record BS. the voiceover. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and there's a lo- yes, and oh, yeah. always a fair level of that. I mean, yeah. that's the fun of radio. But no, when I listen to this, to the evolution of the show as it's gone along, um, I, I think we're we're now uh, more established in the community, more connected directly. And it's you know I can only imagine how many downloads that first episode has racked up by now because I do remember this is the one of the most exciting oh. things about the debut is that it broke a record yeah. at WFHB yeah, was the, and at the time that was huge you know there's nothing I like better than taking a drive while the Brown County Hour is on yeah. and I would I would find something to do outside of the house that would require me to just drive around. There's nothing like cruising around Brown County, listening to the Brown County Hour. And in fact, when I drove in here today, I might have taken a little detour, maybe not straight down 135. Maybe I had to cut over to Spearsville Road. And, uh, you know, I've got four-wheel drive and a a set of fresh tires, so why not? (laughs) Well, uh, do you have any words for the future, people who will be working on Brown County Hour as as the founding father, do you have any inspirational words for those who will be carrying on the work? My goodness. Um, I would say, I think you're already doing this. Just stay true to yourself because even folks who think they know better, like me, will try to tell you to do something the right way. 
the right way is not necessarily your way. And I think that's what community radio is all about, is giving the people a chance to have a voice, a looking glass, a reflecting pond, a soapbox. You know, community radio can be all of these things. Well, Chad, (laughs) thank you so much for coming in. This has just been remarkable uh, to reminisce with you and the gang here. Well, thank you for all that you're doing for the show, and thank you for putting out such a, a quality product. And I'm looking forward to another six years of listening from the car. Partners in crime are 
Kimbo. Willow. What the hell is about the strange, quirky, and sometimes census going-ons in Brown County? All opinions on the show are strictly ours. Yes, we have opinions like everyone else along with other things. Ponder this for a few minutes. The town of Nashville has Ordinance 131.02 congregating in public places. It states it is unlawful for any person to congregate or cause to be congregated a crowd of three or more persons upon a public street, alley, sidewalk, parking lot, school or school grounds, building, or any other public place within the town. What What the the hell? Now, now, let me finish. Within the town for the purpose of or so as the effect to obstruct the same or as to hinder or annoy passerbys or occupants of adjacent premises or as to interfere with the activities normally carried on the premises. Now, that's a what the hell in itself. This took effect May the 4th of 1970 and has a penalty of a fine up to $100. I mean, is this not a tourist town? That's what I heard. Me too. I mean, people congregate in town all the time. And who's to say what's annoying, interfering, obstructing, or hindering? Is this an infringement on the First Amendment of the Bill of Rights, the freedom of assembly? The more I think about this, the more questions arise. You want to read it for yourself? Just go to www.townofnashville.org and click on ordinances. Ponder this and see what questions arise.
it's a long, but it's a short fall back home. One day I'll be back in town. Until then, I'm Brown County bound. I'll be seeing you all around. Until then, I'm Brown County bound. I'm Brown County bound. I'm Brown County bound. Until then. In segment one, we went all the way back to the beginning of our show in our conversation with Chad Carruthers. We listened to Carolyn Dutton perform Olay, and we heard the very first piece ever aired on our show, What the Hell, performed by Carol Connor and Patty Peeker with music played by Marty Garvey. We closed out with Reverend Payton's Brown County Bound. Now we pause for station identification. Support for WFHB in the Brown County Hour is brought to you by Plum Creek Antiques, located at the intersection of 135 and 45 in downtown Bean Blossom, where visitors can buy, sell, or trade most anything. More information is available by calling 812-988-6268. You are listening to the Brown County Hour on volunteer-powered community radio WFHB at 100.7 in Brown County, 91.3 and 98.1 in Bloomington, 106.3 in Ellettsville, and online at WFHB.org. Now we have Pete Siebert with the Dean of the Brown County Tall Tale, Steve Miller. Halloween, that time of the year when uh, spooks, spells, haints, and stories are floating in the air. And here beside of me is one of those who knows those stories of Brown County. Steve Miller, tell us a story. Hey, Pete. Thank you. Um, well, this is a story that I'm not sure many people know. It's kind of interesting that uh, my grandfather told me, uh, my dad's uh, dad, you know, that had Miller's Pharmacy in the 1920s here in Nashville. And so it was Halloween night that day. The men had gathered at the liar's bench. My grandfather was there, and they were playing horseshoes and whittling and telling tales about their dogs and their moonshine recipes and barbershop, great voices, and having, just entertaining themselves, just having a great old time like they had. But this was a particular night where the wind had turned out of the north, and there was a chill, and little frost that they were talking about tonight and they were all you know kind of talking about persimmon seeds and caterpillar coats and all that and they were kind of warning ah this could be a cold night and the start of the you know the fall and so forth so what and they all disappeared you know he said oh they there's bloof and felix and chris and Nuck and Bummer and all these affectionate nicknames. They all headed off to Scarcefat and Bear Wallow and Stony Lonesome and all these great names that the original settlers had named each valley and hill and so forth. So it was a great time. But 
what had happened is the state had told all the locals that they were buying land out at Weed Patch Hill to make a game preserve so that they could hunt and wouldn't have to pay taxes. And just before that, the locals had found out that the state had been lying to them. And they were really going to make a state park for the tourists coming down from Indianapolis and you know, for the people that had money and the, the locals were threatened that the state was taking over the place. And that's why they came here is to get away from industrial society and government rules. And they, they were doing battle. They were holding court right there on the liar's bench. Well, there, the women saw that this was the spell of the blind tiger. Something about that liar's bench held a spell. And it happened that almost the week that the liar's bench was published by Hohenberger and it became famous nationally. Their stories became better and the, they, they couldn't resist coming to town and not doing their chores yeah. and their wives were getting angrier and it all built up to Halloween night, 1929. And the women had devised a scheme to end this period and they dressed up in costume and their handmade costumes with their bonnets and their boots and they came and gathered at the town well waited till all the kids and the trick-or-treaters had kind of gone away and it became quiet and they dragged the liar's bench out in the middle of town and they pulled out their hatchets that they had brought with them and they had a chopping bee Mm. not a quilting bee (laughs) but a chopping bee and then what was so Great. What my grandfather told me is that how they did it without getting caught, they had put in their handmade dresses, squirrel tails and rabbit fur. And to, because they knew they could dip their moccasin, little handmade shoes in their pockets and get that scent. And then they could go down by the pump and go towards Blood Alley and out by Greasy Creek. And they knew that the men would probably get their dogs and want to know who did it and try to track them. But they could throw them off. And they did. Nobody ever tracked them home. And the women got away with it. And that was the night that the women broke the spell of the liar's bench, the spell of the blind tiger. And I thought it was a great Halloween story, a true story. Oh, yeah. That really happened right here in Nashville. And my grandfather happened to be there the next day. And when they said, they all looked at it and said, it's really bad. And then somebody else said, it's worse than bad. And finally, Veen or Nuck or one of them said, it's the ruination of everything. And actually, they propped the pieces of the liar's bench up against the courthouse. They never played another horseshoe game. And that was the truth. Hmm. That was what broke that whole period of the 20s. The state park was formed, and I thought it was an interesting Halloween story. Oh, my. Happy Halloween, Steve. Thanks, Pete. I had a great time. Looking forward to doing it again. Take care. Walking with Nature is in the studio to speak with Jeff Keller. He records bird calls for Cornell University. Now a resident of Brown County, he also records frog calls, and that's what we'll be talking about today. Hello, Jeff. Good morning. First off, let's clear up the confusion. What is the difference between a toad and a frog? Well, toads generally have a drier skin. It's also generally more warty and bumpy. They also hop rather than leap. They can stand drying out better than a frog can. Frog skins are usually moist and rather slippery, I would assume. (laughs) I began hearing frogs at the end of February. What frogs were they? More than likely, it would have been one of three species. 
wood frogs are perhaps one of the very first frogs to call at that time of year, right after the ice melts on the ponds, and you get that first 55-degree day in, the, in late February. Other frogs out in the lowlands, in the agricultural lands, you would encounter chorus frogs. And in wooded ponds, along with the wood frogs, you'd also hear lots of little spring peepers. Then what frogs do we hear after that? Southern leopard frogs would be next in line. American toads also start up like in mid-April or early April when we get the 65-degree days. After that, it progresses on to other species, some of which are not present in Brown County, but are in other areas of Indiana, like there's a crawfish frog that's threatened and endangered in Indiana. And those would start calling around the 15th of March, and they are the county west of Bloomington in Greene County. And there's also a population down in the Big Oaks National Wildlife Refuge. And what frogs would we hear in June? In June, expect to hear in Brown County, uh, bullfrogs would probably be most conspicuous. And then there are green frogs, as well as Cope's gray tree frogs, cricket frogs. They sound like little castanets, little clicking noises, and fowler's toads. Why is Brown County a great place for frogs? Well, it does have habitat that's relatively undisturbed, plus people have a lot of ponds. And because there's a lot of habitat available, the frogs are there. It's been a really wet spring. Is that change conditions, and is there something special that happens? Yes, particularly for an extremely rare toad in southern Indiana called the eastern spadefoot toad. This is actually a, a toad species that is barely hanging on to existence in Indiana, but this was a great spring for them because of our torrential rains. In fact, that's what triggers their breeding is five inches or more of rain in any one session. And that happened around Easter weekend of this year, and the site was in Bartholomew County, about five miles southeast of Columbus, near Elizabethtown. And it was a, quite a spectacle to see thousands of these toads come out and breed in the flooded fields. The spadefoot toads have a requirement of sandy soil. They need the sandy soil because they burrow most of their lives. Outside of breeding season, you'll never see them because they, they burrow under the sand. But when the rains come in spring, the, the big rains, they come out in mass and breed. And hopefully their tadpoles will survive before their flooded fields are bone dry. By the way, the spadefoot toads have vertical pupils. That makes them stand apart from all other frogs and toads in North America. Their eyes are more like the eye of a cat with a, a vertical pupil rather than the horizontal pupil you will see on all the other frogs and toad species. Plus, they sound really strange. And finally, why do frogs sing? Basically, it'll be the males that'll be doing the singing. They do that to hopefully attract a potential mate. There are certain species where this is really conspicuous, and the resulting mating 
is is uh, from a human perspective not a pretty picture so to speak because sometimes the males have the females outnumbered by a wide margin it's like a well like a drunken frat party supreme is what it is and if you happen to take a hike around straw lake in brown county state park well, on some of those first warm days and you will see what i am referring to Thank you for talking with us today, Jeff. Thank you. It's been my pleasure. Jeff has recorded a CD of frog calls called Frogs and Toads of Southern Indiana. It is available at T.C. Steele State Historic Site. For the Brown County Hour, this is Kaylee Witt, Walking with Nature.
You know that in an election year, the politicians automatically seem to migrate to the fair. Well, I have to say, it must look like Hyde Park right now on the soapboxes. I do believe there's a couple over there having a discussion. Hello, this is Rick Fettig with the Brown County Hour and WFHB, and I'm here at the Brown County Fair. We're having a good old time. and Over here, they uh, expect the politicians to all spend a certain amount of time here, so... Uh, I've run across one right now, Mr. Tim White. Hello, Tim. How you doing? How you doing, Rick? Nice good to, to see, see you. you. you a good so, time? Yeah, yeah, I am. It's a great time. Food's great, huh? So tell us what it is you're running for. I'll be running for mayor of Nashville this year, and I um, hope to get all the votes I can. That's why oh, I'm yeah. out here. It's going to be a lot of people. Mayor, aren't, aren't we a, a town and have a town council? Well, we do, but I've, I've got a vision this year that I think is going to um, kind of go over the top. and You're going to bump things up a notch, bump, huh? You've got to do a little bit of bumping. <laughs> well, that's good to see. Hey, um, well, there's one thing that's been troubling me. I keep hearing about it, and I just can't figure it out for the life of me. So I've been hearing a lot about this some-sex marriage. Some-sex marriage. Yeah, some-sex. It sound, sound, sounds like sounds familiar. But... Yeah, it sounds like one side doesn't like some-sex, so I guess they don't like sex. And the other guys say that some-sex is okay, so I guess they're all right with it. But, I mean, I thought that's the reason you got married was to have some-sex. Well, it's, that's <laughs> kind of my beliefs, too. Too, yeah. But, uh, but uh, I heard that, that there was one group that went so far as to say that, that you couldn't have sex standing up. Have you ever heard anything like that? You couldn't have sex standing up. Never heard no. of that. Yeah, no, they, was, huh? they was afraid you'd start dancing. <laughs> afraid it might lead to dancing. <laughs> Rick, are you sure you're not talking about same sex? Same sex? Yeah. What do you mean same sex? Some sex, mean, same same sex marriage. I think, you're, I think you're a little confused on it. Same sex? You mean... We have to have it the same way every time. Well, who'd, who'd want to do that? <laughs> Boy, you're getting really personal. You're, you're, you're not. I think it might come up with some of my voters. And <laughs> you're, you're not really saying that everybody has to do it the same way all the time, are you? It's not like well, a national I, issue. That's just between me and crazy. you. I would hope not. But uh. <laughs> well, anyway, well, if you learn any more about it, let me know. I'll get back. Can I get back with you on that? Yeah. I'll get my people to get back with you. All right. Thanks, people. Tim. All right. Congratulations. You have a good we'll time. All right. I guess we'll have to write you in on that All ballot, right. won't we? All right. We'll see you in the voters' box. All right. Bye. Bye. That physical attraction The kind that always gets a male reaction Yeah I got a blanket and a bottle of wine I think you know what I got in mind Come on Count the stars before the sun wakes up Tell me that you want to 
get me going, don't you, baby? You got the moves that drive me crazy. Mm. Take your time, make it last forever. A slow ride makes it even better. Get in a bottle of wine. I think you know what I got in mind. You take your time, make it last forever. A slow ride makes it even better. In segment two, we listened to Pete Siebert interview Steve Miller. We also heard Jeff Keller and Kaylee Witt discuss those darn frogs and toads. Robbie Bowden played his tune titled Sail On, and Rick Fedick shared his conversation with Tim White, candidate for mayor of Nashville at the county fair. Lastly, we heard While the Night is Young, written by Barry Johnson. And now we pause for station identification. Support for WFHB in the Brown County Hour is brought to you by Plum Creek Antiques, located at the intersection of 135 and 45 in downtown Bean Blossom, where visitors can buy, sell, or trade most anything. More information is available by calling 812-988-6268. You are listening to the Brown County Hour on volunteer-powered community radio WFHB at 100.7 in Brown County, 91.3 and 98.1 in Bloomington, 106.3 in Ellettsville, and online at wfhb.org. Geography defines Brown County. Hills and valleys abound and provide a sharp contrast with the rest of the state. Many of Flatlanders smiled as they admired the natural beauty of the area for the first time. We owe everything to erosion. Once a high plateau, now known as the Norman Upland, this area somehow escaped three mighty glaciers, most recently the Wisconsin Glacier event 20,000 years ago. When this giant wall of ice stopped just short of our area and began to melt, it was the beginning of the landscape we now know as Brown County. Thousands of years came and went. The forest developed, and by and by the first humans made their way here. Without a major river or productive soil in which to plant, the first arrivals didn't choose to settle here in large numbers. Instead, they used the area primarily as hunting grounds or they followed the many ridge trails on their way to somewhere else. 
Eventually, times and politics conspired to force the first arrivals to move on. And as one door closes, another one opens, and the first white settlers found their way to this neck of the old Northwest Territory. The forest was virgin, the trees were huge, the terrain was rough, and the soil was poor, but in spite of all that, many a settler decided to make this hill country their home. It was never an easy life, and you had to work hard just to survive. If you couldn't make it, hunt it, grow it, or trade for it with someone else who did, you didn't have it. Little ridgetop farms sprang up, and valleys were cleared so that folks could scratch out a living. As sure as erosion played a central role in the geography, isolation was the driving force that birthed the culture. With little outside contact, the people who made Brown County their home continued living a pioneer existence well into the early 20th century. In the way of things, the first outsiders that discovered Brown County and shared her beauty with the world were artists. Bringing sophistication and the big world with them, a door was opened that brought changes no one at the time could foresee. Since those times, we have taken our place in the 21st century. The REMC brought electrification, which finally became universal in the 50s. Telephone lines connected the county. Roads were graveled, and many of them were paved. Water has always been an issue here, and the creation of the Brown County Water Utility has allowed homes and neighborhoods to grow up in areas that could never have developed without it. So here we are, adapting to all the changes the world brings to us, some of which we like and others we just don't give a hoot about. For all the changes this county has seen, more has stayed the same than not. It's still a pretty place to look at, a hard place to make a living, and a mighty fine place to live if you're bent that way. The people retain that pioneer spirit, and we hold strong to an independent streak that defines us. We know we have a special life, and we do what we can to keep it that way. Today, we're a mix of native folks, expatriated city people, artists, musicians, craft people, and hippies. It's a good mix that makes for many a fine conversation when we see one another at the feed store or the grocery. This magic combination of land and culture has also produced some great stories, and it's a tremendous privilege to share them with you. This is Dave Seastrom. See you next time. Hello, my name is Rick Fettig. Some of you, I hope, are getting to know my voice from the Brown County Hour. Others of you know me from my work. I do mostly maintenance, light construction, and some remodeling around Bloomington and Brown County. On many of those hot, humid Indiana summer days, my clothes are often sopping wet with perspiration. You could probably wring them out and fill up a six or eight ounce glass. In winter, when the temperature dips down, it's time to put on those long johns. Once they're on, they don't come off often until the temperature rises or I get a chance to throw them in the laundry once a week. To get to the point, I've developed my own special fragrance. I found some backers and a couple of chemists, and we now have bottled that fragrance. And in honor of Brown County, we're calling it BC Number 6. It's now available to you if you call in now. Call BR549 right now. Operators are on duty. Women, if your man never does any physical labor, and at the end of the day he comes home still smelling like a Christmas tree on a rearview mirror, hit him with a mist of this BC Number 6, or put a dose on his sleepwear. It's guaranteed to kick up the pheromones a notch. 
Men, if you know you haven't broke a sweat in months and you'd like to add a little spice in your evenings at home with the one you love, a little dose of BC number no. 6 is guaranteed to boost her serotonin and dopamine, and she'll associate that pleasure and euphoria with you. It's a win-win. Operators are on duty. Call in now and save 25%. Call BR549. And due to our recent current military involvements where couples and families have had to be separated for long periods of time, we have also developed BC number no. 9. If you call in now, we'll throw a sample bottle of BC number no. 9 with your order of BC number no. 6. Call BR549. BC number no. 9 is thicker and creamier than BC number no. 6. Just a little dab on the end of your finger and apply as desired as you recall that special seaman you've been missing or that airman, Marine Corps, or Army personnel who have been deployed for some time. Operators on duty, call in right now, BR549, and order your bottle of BC number no. 6 and your free sample of BC number no. 9 and save 25%. Call now, operators are on duty, BR549.
Hello, this is Dave Seesterman. It's my privilege to interview Bird Snyder, well-renowned mushroom hunter, uh, banjo picker in the White Lightning Boys, and well-known carpenter in Brown County. Hey, Bird, how you doing? Good. How are you? I'm I'm doing good. So glad you could show up for this. Yeah, thanks for having me. So uh, I know that there's a lot of mystery involved in hunting mushrooms, and you know, for those of us that go out for hours and hours and get very little, compared to someone like you who is a legend, is there any truth to the rumor that you harvested and sold many, many pounds of mushrooms last year? I sold 84 pounds. Oh, my God. (laughs) And gave away maybe... 30 or 40. Huh. Uh, can I get on that list? Or? Yeah, you can. <laughs> 84 pounds? Yeah. Lord. So, uh, you got any, like, insider tips for those of us that like to, you know, do a little better as we get out there? Or? Well, you know, early in the year, you want to start on the north, northeast-facing hillsides, preferably hunting ash trees. And you want to start looking at the base of saplings, anywhere that the leaves create like a small greenhouse, maybe a log laying on the ground. The leaves have kind of rolled up against it, and there's that little air cavity where the sun heats that ground first. And at anything that's basically 90 degrees, you know, that catches the sun, that'll be the first place you'll find them. Once now 
Segment three began with Dave Seastrom's first essay for the show and my contribution, Hillbilly Love Potion. Hamilton Creek performed their tune, They're Tearing Pine Mountain Down. Bird Snyder shares his secrets of mushroom hunting, and we close the show with Bob Lucas performing his song, More Fools Than Wise. We hope you've enjoyed our little walk down memory lane. It's been a grand six years for the show, and we look forward to what the next six years might bring. Thanks for tuning in to episode 52 of the Brown County Hour, recorded in our studio at the History Center here in downtown Nashville, and brought to you the first Sunday of every month at 9 a.m. and the following Wednesday at 6 p.m. The Brown County Hour is brought to you by folks who appreciate diversity and believe the world is for everyone. This show was produced by Jeff Foster, Pam Rader, Rick Fettig, Vera Grubbs, Carrie Ray, and Dave Seastrom. We would also like to thank Slats Klug for our theme music. You've been listening to the Brown County Hour. Coming to you from deep in the woods of Brown County, Indiana. Celebrating the arts, culture, and nature that make this such a unique community. Visit us online at browncountyhour.com. The Brown County Hour is a production of WFHB. Volunteer-powered, listener-supported community radio for South Central Indiana. Take me back, back to my home, Brown County home.